series we're going to start today. It's called Here Comes the Sun. Okay, Here Comes the Sun. And I'm excited about this for the next, uh, today and two more weeks. We're going to talk about the birth of Jesus, the, the Son of God who came to this earth. And it's going to be uh, kind of cool. we got a couple of these three weeks are going to be um, the Son is worshipped. Next week will be the Son is born. And today we're going to talk about the stage is set for the Son. And that's where we're going to go today, the stage being set for God and for his only son to come to this earth. And our text this morning is in Matthew chapter 1. So if you go to Matthew chapter 1 with me in your Bibles, we're going to read uh, this section of scripture together and talk about this, how God went through great lengths for us, you know, to set the stage for the son of God to be born to this earth for you and for me. And what a, what a huge blessing that is to us, uh, more than we'll ever know, more than we'll comprehend uh, how, how, how God loves us so much that he would give us his only son. Uh, so we're going to read Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, and uh, we'll read uh, that section there and talk a little bit about that, and then we'll, what we're going to do is look at some key passages of scripture about how God set the stage from ancient times for this birth of his son and all that God did leading up to the birth and how what a miracle that is all in itself, all that God did to orchestrate the, the son of God coming to this earth is just amazing. I mean, it's just so uh, powerful, powerfully amazing and undeniably uh, amazing that God would do that for us. And then we'll just draw some conclusions from, from that kind of those passages and uh, for how that applies to us. But we're in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Here it is. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. The birth of who? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. That's huge. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So let's just think about that for a minute, that passage of scripture, and, and then we'll get into what, what I would like to share with you uh, this morning about the key verse, which is 22 for us. But this is the uh, unfolding of the story of the birth of Jesus. So many little things in there that are just, just should pop out to us uh, because we're talking about the birth of Jesus Christ. Not my birth, not your birth, not anyone else's birth, but the birth of this one person whose name is Jesus, and he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And that's exactly what we're talking about. That's what this is about. It's about Jesus. No one else. No one else. 
and how his mother Mary, right, is, is in, in relationship with Joseph and they're to be married. And so they're going through this uh, period of time where they're engaged together. And there's lots of things that happen back then in those, those time, that time period when they are engaged. But before they came together to be married, she is found to be like with this child. She's impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Well, Joseph doesn't know that at first. He's just wondering, all right, what's going on, woman? Like, you're pregnant, and it's not my kid. You know, so what, what's going on? Joseph's about to, like, divorce her, to, to break it off with her when God steps into the picture and an angel appears to him, or in a dream, he, he, uh, God speaks to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take her to be your wife. What's in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now that is so cool, isn't it? Because how many times in our own life uh, do we, are we ready to throw in the towel? We're ready to give up. We're ready to like say, forget it. It's just not working out. And then boom, here comes God to the rescue to uh, reveal to us or to help us understand what it is he's trying to do in our life. So, so we just need to hang in sometimes. We just need to keep fighting, keep hanging in there. The, the truth is coming. The, the revelation will come at some point and you will see, you will begin to understand why God is doing what he's doing. That's what he did here for Joseph. So, so Joseph uh, takes Mary to be his wife and, um, and so she gives birth to this child. She gives birth to the son, and uh, you are to give him the name, he says, uh, Jesus, because, because this child, this one and only child, is going to save his people from their what? From their sins. Because he will save his people from their sins. If you had to reduce all of who Jesus is and why he came to the earth, that line is it to save us from our sins. That's why he came. To save us from our sins. Anybody want to say amen to that? Yeah, amen to that. All of us, right? Because we're sinners. We're sinful. And Jesus came to save you from that, from that load of sin in your life. My load of sin in my life. People out there, their load of sin that don't know Jesus, their sins. He came to save them from their sins, save us from our sins. And once we come in to the kingdom of God and are forgiven of that, that doesn't change why Jesus came. He still came to save people from their sins. And that's why he came. And there's still a lot of sinners out there, aren't there? Still a lot of people who need to know that Jesus loves them and Jesus came to save them from their sin. Verse 22 is kind of our key verse for where we're going today. So look at verse 22. It says this, all of this, all of what God did, and there's so much that God did to bring this moment to be. It's just incredible how much he did. All this, he says, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet this is what the prophet said, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's awesome, isn't it? Emmanuel, God with us. This child that is born to Mary and Joseph is God with us. This is the only reference in, in the Word of God where this idea of Emmanuel, the word Emmanuel, is even used. Jeremiah spoke of the coming Emmanuel as the Lord of righteousness, that he would be the Lord of righteousness. So this, this son that was born to Joseph is this Jesus, the Savior of the world, who came to save us from our sins, but he is also God. 
He is God, born to Mary with the help of Joseph as her partner. God is being born and birthed onto the earth through a, through a woman, through a person, a human being. He is Jesus, the Savior. He is God, the Son of God, and he came to dwell among us. He was made manifest, or the incarnate Christ, God, came. He put on flesh and dwelt with us for a while. That's just incredible. I mean, that, 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 it doesn't get any like more miraculous than that, does it? I mean, that is huge for us. That is huge, not just for us as Christians in the church. That is huge for all of mankind. We're talking about mankind here because prior to, prior to God stepping in and saving us by grace, we're all in the same boat, and it's sinking. And only by the grace of God and the Son of God who was born on this earth do we have any hope at all. God with us. Just think about that for a minute. Like, what does that mean to you? That God is with us. What, what does that mean? Just give me a one word, two words, or a couple words. What does that mean to you? God with us. Protection, companionship, hope, good, nice and loud, salvation, huh? Grateful, rest. I mean, we could just, just keep naming words that just, just, just define and describe for all of us like what it means that God is with us, that he came down and he dwelt with us as people. Like we're human beings made of flesh. He created us out of the dirt and he came to be one of us. That is incredible. Why I would never do that if I were God. Sorry, you're stuck, right? You wouldn't either. Only God, only God would do this, right? And, and here's the thing. The Lord said through the prophet, if you're looking at the verse, the Lord said, so God said this long ago through a prophet, through another human being, long before it ever happened, God spoke through the prophets of old. And that is huge for this whole Christmas story and what it means to you and me. So the passage, the prophet, is from the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah, who is the one who wrote this years before it ever happened. And so when this happened, there's no doubt that the Jews understood what this meant. They were very familiar with Isaiah the prophet. And they knew that Isaiah said that this would happen long before it ever happened. And then it happened. And so now we find Jesus being born in the New Testament based on a passage of Scripture and so many others that were from ancient days. This came out of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where Isaiah writes and he says, Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Here now, your house of David, is, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of God also? Verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Isaiah wrote this approximately 742 years before it ever happened. Now, I know we, we, we kind of know that, right? We know prophets wrote, wrote years before things happened, and we kind of get that, but I wonder, do we really get that this morning? Because if we really got that, we would see what an amazing miracle, what a powerful God we have. 
that would do such a thing. And why is this so important for us? Why is this setting of the stage for Jesus prior to him coming so important to us? The prophecy of his birth and his life and his sacrifice and his resurrection. Why is it so critical to our humanity and to our lives and to our eternity? Well, it is. Let me ask you a question. All of you. Could you tell me with detail about a specific event that involves people, facts about who, what, where, when, that will happen, say, 700 years from today. Can anybody do that? Right? So it's 2019 now, so that would be 2719. 700 years from now, anybody give me some details on something that's going to happen? No, there's no way. We couldn't do it. We could maybe take some guesses, but we could not do that. Only God could do that. Only God, 700 years before it happens, up to 1,000 years prior to it happening. Could you even give me one detail about what might happen 100 years from now? Now, let's say we won't say 700. We'll just say 100. Could anybody give me an event that's going to happen 100 years from now? No, we can't do that, right? You know, we all have details in our life, right? We're, we're, we all have, because we're human beings and we've been living for so many years, there's details of a life, like you, you might come up with some details of your life, right? Like if I said, give me 10 details of your life, you might tell us when your birthday is or where you were born or maybe some major things that happened to you in your life. And you could come up with some details of your life because they happened and you were there. But that's as far as it's going to go. You couldn't tell me what's going to happen in the future. None of us could do that. See, only God. If you were God, you would know all things from beginning to end. You would know everything, right? And the fact that Jesus came and he lived this messianic life and fulfilled every prophecy written about the Messiah is proof is proof that God is behind all things, especially the birth and the life of the Savior, and that Jesus is this holy child of God that has come to rescue us, who has come to save us from our sins. Only God and only Jesus could pull it off, because he is God. See, only, the, only God could arrange such a miracle. And this isn't one miracle, this is many miracles. And tell us, you know, what's going to happen with this Savior 700 years before it ever took place. Only God can do that. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Nobody can do it. Talk about overwhelming proof. Proof, right? Proof. Proof. Notice I didn't say evidence. There's a difference between evidence and proof, isn't there? Right? Evidence is, a, is, is there's, there's a suggestive that it might not be right. Evidence is, it could be right, it could be wrong, this is some evidence. But proof is different than that. Proof is factual. Proof says this is going to happen and it happens. Proof is that, that what God said would happen and then does happen is the proof that God knows. This isn't just evidence. This isn't just uh, suggestive or leave room for doubt kind of stuff. This is proof of who Jesus is and that God knows everything before it ever happens. So our focus today is these stage setter scriptures, prophecy, right? These prophecies that we got years and years before they ever happened that were written hundreds of years ago prior to Jesus' appearing. 
prophecies, right? Stage-setter scriptures about, specifically for us, about the birth of Jesus with details that only the author would know. Those kind of details. So let's look at a few key scriptures. Here we go. The first one is this, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Here's Micah. Okay, Micah 5. Micah was a prophet of God's, lived around 720 B.C. So when did he write? About 720 B.C., sometime in there. And here's what he says about the birth of Jesus. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. This is the prophet Micah, 720 years before Jesus steps on the earth, telling us some detail about what this this Messiah would be like, or what he would do, or where he'd be from. And in this case, he would be born in Bethlehem. Now, that you, we could go on for a long time about just the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and how God orchestrated all that because they weren't living there. The king issued a census decree to, to go back to your hometown, and so they went back to the hometown of Joseph, which happened to be Bethlehem. And so that's where Jesus is born. And Mary's impregnated at such a time that when the decree is made and they have to go back to all the details that God pulled, all the orchestration just to get those two in Bethlehem for that moment is unbelievable. Incredible. Just the timing is, is only God can do it. Only he can get them there at that moment. Only God. And then he says, out of you will come for me. Okay, that's a reference to the Messiah. One, a person who will be ruler over Israel. Whose origins? He will rule over Israel, but his, his origins are from way back. In fact, so far back that in the beginning, when everything was created, he was. He was a part of creating everything. That's how far back his origins go. This one that Micah says will come in 700 and something years from today. That's incredible. That's insane to think that, that, that anybody could predict with, with just these few little details all correct about the Messiah. And Matthew covers this and Luke covers this. The Gospels tell of the birth of Jesus and the trip to Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph, that he'd be born there and there'd be a census and he would go, they would go to the city of Joseph and it would be declared by Caesar Augustus. Crazy details that God went through to, to bring that about. The second one is this, stage setter. Here's a, another stage setter, Isaiah 7.14, which is the passage we read, Isaiah read, or Isaiah wrote about 700 B.C., so that's like 700 years before Jesus steps on the earth. He writes and he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. So born of a virgin. He would be a son. More details of the Messiah and what he would be like in Matthew 1 and Luke 1 cover this, this happening. And we just read the passage out of Matthew, how this came to be. But 700 and something years prior to it ever happening, a guy by the name of Isaiah who walked on the earth and was a prophet of God said, here's what to watch for. Here's a stage setter for you, people. Get ready. In 700 years from now, none of us will be here. <laughs> think about 700 years from today. Just think about that. That's a long time. A long time. 
I will not be here. If I'm here, Linda, I will call myself a senior. It's a sign. It's a miracle. This born of a virgin, he would be a son. This virgin being impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Only God, right? Only God could pull this off and give birth to a son. And that they would call him Emmanuel, which means God has come to dwell among us. And he did it in such a creative way through the Virgin Mary. Third passage, Genesis 22, verse 18. Remember Moses? Moses wrote about 1400 B.C. Had to be during the wanderings, because remember when they went into the promised land, who did not go into the promised land? Moses did not go into the promised land. So sometime during the wanderings, Moses had to sit down and write the five books of the law, the first five books at some period during that time. That's a long time ago. That's long before Jesus ever stepped on the earth. And here's what he said. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time, and he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, so we know what he's talking about, Abraham and Isaac, when he offered his son to him, verse 17, he says, I will surely bless bless you and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and this all took place and happened and through your offspring through your offspring all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me and so Moses long before it happened talked about Jesus the Messiah coming through the line of Abraham being, being born of Abraham in Matthew 1, the genealogy in Matthew 1 begins right with Abraham and it goes all the way to Jesus. And in Luke chapter 3, the genealogy starts with Jesus and it goes back all the way to Adam. And included in those genealogies is, is, is Abraham and the descendants of Abraham. And Jesus came through that line. Long before it ever happened, Moses wrote and told us it was going to happen. Long before it ever happened, Jesus was born in the lineage of Abraham. Romans 5, talking about Israel, that begins with the promise of Abraham, right? Israel begins with the promise of Abraham. He says, Paul says in Romans, theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. So Romans confirms that Jesus came through this same lineage uh, as the patriarchs, as the patriarch Abraham. Israel begins in Abraham. And the Messiah would come like through this line, through this lineage. Number four, fourth passage, nice little stage setter here for us is Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Hosea was a prophet of God who lived around 725 B.C. That's 700 years before Jesus ever steps on the planet. And, and he says this in 11.1, When Israel was a child, I loved him and called him out of Egypt. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And so the, 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 we all recall when Jesus was born and uh, the king, uh, Augustus, Caesar Augustus, put out this decree to, to massacre all the children, all the boys, remember? And so they escaped to Egypt, and they spent time in Egypt there for a while, and it was out of Egypt that God called Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus to come back to Galilee, and that's where he was raised. Amazing, amazing detail. Just that little bitty detail that seems so obscure but it's so relevant in, in, in understanding 
Oh, that only God could orchestrate all these details. Only God could pull this off. A fifth one is this. Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. Again, it's Moses writing over a thousand years prior to this happening. Moses wrote these words. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Right? Moses wrote this about the Messiah that would soon come, that would come one day in the future, and he would save us, right? It literally means a star, like a literal star. We could say that the Magi followed, right, to find the Messiah, and also Jesus being the morning star who would rule. And that's what the idea of a scepter would mean, that he would rule. He would be ruler of Israel. Ruler of the universe, but he would, be a, he would be born a descendant of Isaac and of Jacob. There it is. That, that this Messiah would come through the same lineage. And so if you look at the genealogies, you see these people, these specific people in the lineage from Adam to Jesus. Is King David, is Isaac, is Jacob, is Abraham. They're all in line. And then Jesus. Long before it happened. Long before it ever happened. God is telling us what he's going to do. And the sixth one comes out of of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 15. Jeremiah was a prophet of God's also. He wrote around 600 B.C., so maybe not 700 years before Jesus came, but 600 years before Jesus came. So can anybody tell me what might happen 600 years from now? Okay, I didn't think so. Okay, So here's what Jeremiah says. 600 years later, this is what the Lord says. Again, who says it? The Lord. This is what the Lord says. That's why this is going to happen, because it's the Lord who says it. He says, a voice uh, is heard in Ramah, which is a city near Jerusalem, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. A direct reference to the the, the weeping and the crying and the pain and the suffering that, that came about as the birth of the Savior came on the earth, that Jesus was born among great sorrow. And that was because the king, right? King Herod was furious at the birth of this child, that he heard uh, that, that uh, the Magi came looking for this child, right? And they went to the king and they spoke about this child, that they, they saw the star from a distance and they've come to worship this child. And so King Herod is not happy with this, and he does what? He has all the the boys, two years old and younger, murdered to wipe out this threat that a Messiah had come to the earth that would rule, which is why the wise men are over there on the piano. (laughs) They didn't make it to the manger. You, You know that. We all know that, right? So he wipes out two years old and younger, because Jesus could have been all the way up to two years old by this time, before they ever got there, right? Two years old and younger, he wipes them out, this murderous king, and and that's when uh, Mary and Joseph, right, were warned to take Jesus and go to Egypt, to escape to Egypt. And they avoided this execution of all these boys in the land. And then when it was safe, God called him out of Egypt and brought him back when it was safe. That's just six key prophecies I just shared with you. Six key prophecies. There's many other stage setters that happened long before Jesus ever stepped on the earth. Let me give you a few more. That he would be from the tribe of Judah. Okay, Genesis, Moses wrote about that. 
1,400 years or more prior to it ever happening. That he would be heir to the king of David. We talked about the genealogy of, uh, of uh, Adam to Jesus, and David is in line with that. Samuel, 2 Samuel. Samuel wrote about that about 1,000 years before Jesus stepped on the earth. John the Baptist would come and prepare the way. Isaiah wrote about that in Isaiah 40, 725 years before Jesus stepped on the earth. That he would be called the Nazarene. Isaiah wrote about that 725 years before it happened. That he would bring a new covenant. Psalm 16 talks about that about a thousand years before it ever happens. That he would be like Moses. That he would come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. That he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. Zechariah wrote about that 520 years before it ever happened. Prophecies in detail about Jesus. That he would be rejected. That he would be forsaken. That he would suffer. That they would cast lots for his clothes. That he would be pierced. That he would be lifted up. He would be crucified, buried with the rich, die a criminal's death, and be resurrected back to life. And we all say amen to that, right? Amen to that? Come on. Come on. That's good news. And the psalmist 16 would write, for you, thousand years before it happened, for you will not abandon me to the grave or let your Holy One see decay. The Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, prophecy speaking about who this Jesus is. Incredible. Just incredible, like stage-setting facts about who this Messiah, who this Jesus would be. And we get to worship him today. If that doesn't like make you want to get up and run around dancing, I don't know, I don't know what will. If that doesn't bring like this sense of hope and joy to your life, I don't know what will. Over like 120 prophecies foretelling what the Christ would be like, what he would do, what would happen to him, and Jesus fulfilling every one of them in detail. That is not coincidence. That is not coincidence. That is not chance. It's the work of our intelligent and all-knowing God, the creator and the conductor of the universe. And I wonder this morning, can anyone, anyone, give me just three details about what your great, great, great grandchild would be like? What year would he be born? <laughs> what color hair will he have? What would he be like? So, that, so that's in the year 2110. That's like 90 years from now, right? Just 90 years away. Can you give me any details about your great, 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 great grandchild? See, none of us can because we have, we're clueless. We don't know. Only, only the creator, only the creator could pull this off in such fashion. Here comes the sun. Hundreds of years Prior to, to Jesus stepping on the earth, God was setting the stage through his prophets in detail with great precision and knowledge. No mere man could ever do this. Only God can pull it off. So what does it mean to you and me? What does this mean to us? This is huge for, for not just us, but for all of humanity. This is huge. This is the greatest thing to ever happen to us on the planet, all of us. Sinner and saint alike, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to the planet. Three things I want to just share with you that it means to us. The first one is this, Jeremiah 29, 11, look what it says. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So what does it mean to us? It means this, we can trust God with our future. 
Right? We can trust Him with our future. The one who knew the future then knows the future now. And you can trust Him. He's all-knowing. He has the power to accomplish anything and everything. And you and I, we can trust Him with our future. We can. Second thing is this. Romans 8, 11 says this. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies or to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. So the second thing is this. Your soul is safe in His hands. Your eternal life, your eternal soul is safe in the hands of our God. You can trust Him with your very soul. You can trust Him with what's ahead. You can trust Him with your future. You can trust Him with everything in you, everything about you. And the third thing, the last thing is this. Revelations 19 says this. John writes, he says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are like crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of the God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Here's what this means to us. It means Jesus is Lord. Like he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He has come to us when there was no way we could get to him. He came to you and me. And all authority truly is his. And he holds eternity in his hands. And he will return one day as a conquering king. Hundreds of years ago, the stage was set. And Jesus came and fulfilled everything written about the Messiah. And I am here to tell you today, the stage is being set again for what God will do in the future. And we get to be a part of that. We get to be a living, breathing part of what God is doing. Oh, I pray that we'll jump on board with God and do whatever it is God wants to do. The only question for all of us this morning is, have you made him Lord? Is he the Lord and King of your life? Is he your Lord? Is he your king? Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for all that you have done, all that you have brought about to bring us to this moment right here and right now today. God, that you saw this moment coming years ago, long before it ever happened. God, you, you are aware of where we are and what we're doing, who we are. And the same one who set the stage for the coming Messiah years before Jesus ever showed up is in control of our life as well. And so we give you ourself, Father. We give you everything about us. We trust you with all that we are and all that we hope to be in our future. We trust you with our very soul, God, because you are 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you are our King. God, I pray that you would help us to live our lives in such a way that we would honor that faith, that belief of who you are. That if there's anything in our life that needs to be cut out, God, you'd give us the power and the strength to remove it. That we could live lives that honor you, that are holy and set apart for you, God. We love you so much. Thank you for coming for us. Thank you for being the God who has become one of us, died that we might be saved, that you came for sinners like me, Lord. Love you so much and give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen.